0: during the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music, that's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. Project.ca for more information.
1: Our guest today is Robert Ball. Robert is an accomplished singer and songwriter born right here in Toronto, Ontario. In addition to being a background singer for notable artists like Mary Mary, CeCe Winans, Keisha Shante, and Sean Desmond, he's also had his original music on the hit show, Degrassi, The Next Generation. We had a chance to sit down and chat with Robert during the COVID-19 lockdown to learn more about Robert and his journey with music. This is the DNA Airwaves. Wabwan everyone, thank you for tuning in. To the DNA Airways, I'm your humble and gracious host, Dariki. I'm here with my partner, Crime, and co-host, Anthony Lewis. How you doing today, sir? What's going on, guys? Not much, not much. Uh, today, we are blessed with the presence of Robert Ball. Thank you for joining us, Robert. How you doing today?
2: I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir.
0: So, Robert, man, we go a little while back. It's been awesome working with you and getting to know you musically and otherwise. For those who don't know you... Why don't you take us back to the very beginning? Uh, Tell us where you grew up, um, you know, a little bit about yourself. Just take us on that journey.
2: The very beginning. We're going back a long ways, gentlemen. (laughs) A (laughs) year or two, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a couple years. Um, Well, for me, I'm born and raised in Toronto, um, North York proper for people who really know the Toronto and the GTA (laughs) area. Um, And Why? But uh, I I went to performing arts school. I started at performing arts school when I was nine, um, Claude Watson School for the Arts, and then went to Earl Haig and the Claude Watson Arts program until I graduated high school. I was a visual art major. Um, We had to take dance, drama, music, everything. I didn't really realize what the gift and what the calling was. I think other people realized it. Actually, I know for a fact that other people realized it before I did, but visual art was my first love. Um, and I really started to get into singing in high school um, and then started getting paid gigs my last year of high school, got into the gospel community. And that's where you, you and I met Anthony, um, did that for a number of years, then, uh, you know, session work, studio work, background singing, and then went into uh, cruise ships, did cruise ships and then got into doing some stuff in New York and uh, Yada, yada. Many years later, I'm back here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you said that you originally hadn't started with music. uh, And the transition, you said, took place in high school. Do you remember that transition or who inspired you to kind of make that transition?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I was. um, So it's my grade eight year. And I had this friend who lived close by and she would come by just randomly. And she happened to be at my house. Uh, before I got home, I don't know where I was coming from. And I used to record myself on tape, for you guys remember that, Um, singing along to Boys to Men and Desiree. And so she was in my room just being nosy and playing some of these tapes. And I came in and I was caught and she was like, this is good. And I was so embarrassed. (laughs) And this was the first time anybody had said that or even heard it and I was embarrassed. And so of course she went to school and told people and they were always making me sing. So my next year when I went into high school, Um, still as a visual art major, that was, you know, always a trajectory. Um, and then I, you know, took my music uh, minors, but slowly people started to like that buzz started to happen. And then I had a voice teacher in my 10 in grade tenure who was like, why, what are you doing? (laughs) We need to give you some solos. You need to be singing tenor, not bass. Um, and then from there, at Miss Jan, I remember—I'll never forget her name. And then from there, things kind of just started to open up, and I'd sing for school coffee houses and assemblies and things like that.
1: Oh, okay, so school is kind of where you started to really perform. And then oh, when yeah. did the when did the church discover your talent? Like when did it transition to that was
2: later? So yeah, I. Um, started going to this church in Brampton when I was literally the day after my 19th birthday, actually. Um, and so kind of quickly they realized that I could sing. Um, and so I started to get involved in praise and worship there. And then around that same time, I did a black, I helped present a black history month, um, event at my high school and the teacher supervisor uh, facilitated the guest speaker Mm -hmm. and so I opened with a song that I wrote actually and the guest speaker I don't know if you guys know uh, Norman Brown he used to be the principal at um, I forget what's SDA school in North York Um, but he was the guest speaker and he heard me and his wife was there who's also a singer and they heard me and they asked if I could sing at a conference that they had coming up which ended up being my first paid gig um yeah oh that's
1: crazy uh when where where was that uh conference do you remember where that was
2: Do you remember, was it a big conference was it small it was a big conference it was an sda conference um it's really a blur i remember getting picked up do you guys know um donald mcleod no, who's that? Um, just explain it to myself and the audience. Yeah, yeah. Donald McLeod. Um, Selections was the name of the group. They were Juno nominated, um, and he's now uh, a judge and uh, a big deal in government. Um, oh wow. But started out in the music community. He also was initially the, um, I think, the president or CEO of the, um, Genre, the group, the the record label that Rayma put out.
0: Oh, okay, oh
2: nice okay. Um, yeah, so he he's the one who picked me up and we just drove him and his sister Sharon McLeod, who used to be in Faith Corral um was one of the founding members of Faith Corral and we just chatted in the car. I didn't pay attention to where we were going but it was um it was <laughs> it was a it was, a, it was a, a large school auditorium and it was one of their conferences, so it was all of the local um, SDA churches that had gathered and were doing this conference. Wow.
1: okay, okay.
0: Wow, very interesting. So we know that you've had a lot of music that's gone very widespread um, as far as music that you've written, as well as music that you've recorded. Now, can you take us on this journey? How do you go from your first paid gig all the way up to things that you've accomplished, such as the song that you had featured on Degrassi High? Take us on that journey.
2: Wow. Well, there were a lot of years between those two things. (laughs) <laughs> but but it, it started, you know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish I could look back at younger me and say, "Yes, take that chance, take that opportunity." Um, but you know, it's all led me to this place, so it is what it is. But I I, I got into um, session work and some background singing, which led to different connections. I also joined with a modeling agency. Now, a modeling agency is the one who I, I told them. Obviously, I'm a singer and they connected me to a producer. Uh, the producer was Robbie Patterson, and Robbie Patterson uh, was the producer for Snow, for uh, Jack Soul, uh, Kalen Porter, and a number of others. And so we worked together on a couple of so- three songs actually. Um, and so he, as a songwriter and producer, had different uh, outlets in publishing, and he was always getting asked to submit songs for movies and TV and what have you. So this one particular song that we were working on called Funny um, or It's Funny, depending on which adaptation, Um, he ended up submitting it to his um, people and it got picked up for Degrassi. It's a small little cut that's in there, but it it was unfortunate that that was like one of my first placements.
0: Nice. And also while we're on that album, it was a very awesome album, by the way. I believe it was all recorded live. Is that the same album?
2: Oh yeah. So yeah. So what I ended up doing, so funny, he and I recorded that that was a separate release actually. And I sat on that for a long time. Um, so this is another jump of years. So then I was working on a cruise ship and every time I was on a cruise ship, people would ask, I'd finish a show, a production show, the Broadway style shows. And sometimes, sometimes I would do my own show and people would ask, do you have a project out? Do you have an album? And I would say no kind of sheepishly. And they would say, well, you need to do that. Um, and at one of my breaks In between contracts I had done a show in Toronto at Train Studio If you guys remember Train Studio oh, yeah. um, And uh, Some of It has it had been recorded live um, Wasn't sure what I was going to do with it And then I had also done a show at the Triad Theatre An off-Broadway venue in New York um, And that had also been recorded live So I happened to be on the ship After both of these, of these events And so I just kind of on a whim said, well, let me put together, chop together this, these, the, the, the good tidbits of these recordings um, (laughs) (laughs) and see if I I can put out an EP. Um, So I did that. And so it's got some live tracks from Toronto, some live tracks from New York and um, one studio track that I did with Robbie Patterson, which is not the one that ended up on Degrassi, but another, another one. I didn't release um, our uh, official recording of, of um, funny, the studio version until after I released the EP.
0: Oh, very nice. So that was in fact actually a compilation album. I hadn't realized that it was um, a medley of two different live shows that you had put together into one nice album. Awesome.
2: Thank you. Yeah,
0: and then I um, on that same album, I, I was really taking it in. Uh, you did another song that really touched me. I mean, they were all great, but the uh, tribute song to your grandfather. Yeah, that was yeah. I guess taking it back to your gospel roots um, yeah. precious
1: lord yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that was yeah,
0: yeah. an incredible performance I guess um thank you I mean going back to the way that you see you and I connected that kind of <laughs> is the the Robert ball that I you know I first heard kind of thing yeah um what was that inspiration there because obviously it, it had a great place in your heart to get to the album yeah. and, and the, the inspiration behind it coming from your grandfather can you tell us a bit about
2: that? Yeah, well, um, so that particular show was curated by um, a friend of mine called Lee, uh, named Lee, Lee Summers. Um, he is a writer-director. He's written a couple off-Broadway shows, was in the original production of Dreamgirls on Broadway, um, and is the artistic director of that venue. And he curates this show called um, Just a Piano. And the okay. concept is singers that can um, just sing with just a piano. No bells and whistles, no tricks nothing um so he asked me to do that particular show and i just kind of was thinking to myself what would the through way of that show be so there was a little bit of gospel actually i think the bulk of it was gospel um there was the musical theater some um jill scott who's like my spirit animal um and the piano player for for that show was damien sneed if you guys know him he's playing for everybody can you tell me who that is just for the audience that yeah, yeah, Damien Sneed. Um, he's a recording artist um, and doing really really well independently on his own right now. Um, he's worked with, uh, been musical director for Aretha Franklin. He's played for Stevie Wonder and musical director for Karen Clark and the Clark Sisters for many years. Um, who else has he played for? He's played for literally everybody. He just did actually a show, a solo, um, well not a solo show, he has an ensemble. They do a Martin Luther King tribute they did that in Toronto last year, um, and they've been touring that through the U.S. and through um, America, uh, through the through U.S. and Europe. Um, but yeah, he has his own music out. Damien Sneed, check it out. He's amazing. Um, but he's definitely heavy into the gospel community and church uh, circuit. And so I think he definitely, uh, you know, bent my, bent my arm a little bit in terms of some of that material and, ch- and challenged me positively to, to do some of those things. But it was, it was great for me to pay tribute to my grandfather in that way, because I have an incredible heritage, uh, in, uh, legacy in, in music and, in in the church in Canada, my great, great grandfather was, um, was a minister and a singer, and they traveled around Canada and the U.S. as the Ball Family Jubilee Singers. Oh, wow! Um, uh-huh. And so my and my grandfather sang in his church for fifty years, and that was one of the first voices I remember hearing. And I always knew that that was one of his favorite songs, and so I just wanted to pay homage.
1: Wow. Does do you have any siblings?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm one of seven kids. I'm the second year of seven. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you guys revise
1: the ball family uh, music group there?
2: Well, you know, I've definitely thought about it. And it's it's always in the back of my mind. And I'm trying to figure out ways to do it and be creative. I've definitely got a lot of projects in my head that I want to see actualized. Um, Of course, solo stuff. But I would love to do a, a family project. My family is ridiculously talented of course oh, wow. there's singers in the family my sister sings um my niece sings my nephew is a hip-hop artist um oh, he goes by goodness. the name Alaric. um most of my nephews are visual artists studying visual art one of my nieces is studying visual art um my brother's animator illustrator it's it's yeah it's crazy
1: so it sounds to me you have no excuse to rebrand or relaunch the, <laughs> the ball. You've got too much talent. You've got a couple yeah, sports you could run.
2: We're, we're, yeah. waiting, for
1: no, you were, we're waiting for it. You were, <laughs> you, you were absolutely right. Okay. Next time I see you, I'm going to hold you that and ask you for an update. Okay. Family, okay? okay. But other than, that, other than that new project that I just put on your plate, what else <laughs> is going on? Right now? Or Do you plan on recording or releasing any music in the near future?
2: Yeah, actually, there's a lot. Well, this year it was holding, and I still believe and I have faith that it is holding a lot. Um, I released uh, la- at the end of last year a couple songs with a producer named G Fusion. They are Latin dance songs. Oh, I'm shout them out! What's uh, what's their names? Running back to is one of them. Yep. Oh, see, there you go. Y'all are quick with it, quicker than I am. <laughs> yeah, running back, to, running, running back to use the one that just came out. Okay. Okay. And thinking, Think of You and um, Can't Forget You are the other two that just that released last year. And
1: okay, those are nice. available on the uh, Spotify, Apple, any digital
2: they are. streaming platform? Yep. Okay. they're available everywhere. And there's a fourth one that should be coming out. Don't have the exact date for that, but that'll be coming out soon as well. Um, so they have, those are those. And then um, I'm actually currently in Stratford, Ontario. I was hired or... To be uh, in the company here at the Stratford Festival, working on a brand new musical called Here's What It Takes, uh, written by Stephen Page. For those who don't know his name directly, he was the front man for the Bare Naked Ladies for many, many oh, years. Oh, wow. wow um,
1: yeah.
2: And so. Yeah, it's kind of a dream opportunity to do a brand new musical to work with Canadian royalty. Daniel McIver is the one writing the script and the book. He's also an award-winning playwright. Uh, Donna Fior is the director and choreographer. She's kind of Canadian royalty as well in that she's stra- – they call her Stratford Festival Secret Weapon. She's, her claim to fame is the um, choreographer for Mean Girls, oh. you know, the iconic the, – the, the Christmas Santa dance. Claus dance yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 her uh that's her work um so yeah that's is god willing still going to go on after all of this madness but um that's currently within the works and i've got a lot of music that is in my voice memos and on my garage band that i'm hoping to get towards uh working on an album
1: ah uh, okay Oh, sorry, what was the name of the play that you, uh, you got, you're currently uh, rehearsing? Yeah, for? Here's What It Takes. Here's What It Takes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you might have just given me a reason to go to Stratford. Yeah, sounds amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: So you've been pretty deep in the music industry, um, I believe, both Canada and U.S., right? Because you've spent time, I think, in New York and probably L.A. Yep. as well, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes over the years. Uh, oh, if you brilliant. could change anything about the music industry, what would that be?
2: Oh my God! Um, I think the biggest thing to affect the industry is obviously streaming. Mm-hmm. It 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 killed the careers or the livelihood of a lot of people. At the same time, streaming and new age has opened up the opportunity for a lot of people to be able to release music without having a record deal, which absolutely changed the game, of course, as well. So. Right if there could be somehow a balance where there's still the outlet and the opportunity for artists to be able to put out their own music independently, but still make the money back on sales that at least comparably to what used to be made. Um, then I think that would be a game changer.
1: Okay. Uh, do you feel though in general, that the internet positively or negatively impacted the music business?
2: Again, it's it's both because I think that positively that you have room for everybody to kind of have a platform now. Yeah. But then negatively, you have room for everybody to have a platform. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so you have everybody who thinks that thinks that they are, you know, a singer. And I hate to, and I'm not the person to diminish anybody's talent or creative outlets. But then you have it the whole thing getting a little bit convoluted and watered down. Um, right. And that's a little problematic. And the
1: technology now can make anyone mm. sound like they have a little bit of skill. So it does kind of muddy the waters for people Absolutely. like yourself that are just naturally talented and can just go in front of a piano and belt something beautiful though.
2: Exactly. So I
1: can, yeah, As, I definitely see it's positive. Sorry to cut you off.
2: Yeah, no, but then also it's. Um, It's that there's no real science, unless you're in the back end, to the algorithms. Mm. And as it gets more complicated and more people involved and more monetized and more, you know, logistic, it gets harder and harder to kind of cut through all of that noise, if you will. Um, Because the algorithms are just, it's like, how do you really keep up with what's going to get traction and what's going to get you seen and heard and, and, and pull you out of the crowd
1: yeah the algorithms it's yeah understanding the algorithms that can help someone that's mediocre get launched into you know viral success Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it is uh it is a little bit of a you got to know your music but you also got to be a little bit hip to seo and algorithms like you said so it it is a Mm -hmm. little uh it's a completely different ballgame than you know 10 20 years ago
2: oh yeah
0: that's for sure that's for sure um given that though what what do you enjoy most about being a musician are you i know you also write so there's that element Mm -hmm. as well um do you enjoy the live performance most or are you more comfortable or do you enjoy the writing process or does it all kind of come
2: together for you it you know i i'm definitely live it's i'm i'm one of those people i remember Somebody introducing me to Keith Green. Keith Green would be what would be considered a singer, songwriter, folk type singer, but in the, in the Christian community in the eighties. Um, and I remember watching a documentary about him. He's just really a prolific artist. And he was in the studio and they just couldn't figure out what was wrong. It just wasn't working. It just wasn't working. And then they sat him down in front of a piano and he played and sang and the magic hit mm. and i'm one of those people and i've realized over the years that live is where i live i had this director that i worked with on cruise ships and she um sarah wake davies like she just worked me her and bradley roberts worked me really hard in this rehearsal process in a good way and then when we got to the ship and did our opening night she came backstage. And she said, I see you now. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, you come to life in front of that audience. You sparkled. And then she said it would benefit you to bring some of that to the rehearsal process. Wow. And I've I've, I've held on to that little nugget of wisdom and tried to bring that to everything that I do. Every rehearsal for a show, um, like stage, musical theater type stuff. Um, but in everything, I try to think about bringing that. So... I did not used to, even though I was doing session work, I did not used to love being in the studio. Cause you all know, if you've been doing, done it, it's like tedious laborious yeah. work yeah. and it can just get really stressful. But now I really enjoy being a session singer. I'm working on enjoying being a singer for myself in the studio. Um, But um, in terms of the writing aspect of it as well, I tend to write out of what I call inspiration. So like it'll come to me in a dream. It'll come to me while I'm walking down the street, while I'm hearing something random or through an experience. I do find a little bit of a challenge in sitting down to write. But in the same little nugget of of wisdom that I got from her, I'm working and constantly working on finding that little sparkle and that joy to sit down and write something and what's going to inspire me.
0: Wow. Nice. Now, I'm also wondering, because you have such a diverse background as far as being from the gospel side of it, which we all know is always going to be, or for the most part, very free, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm sure when you're doing now the type of work that you're doing with the um, productions, I'm sure those are a lot more rigid and you're not uh, not mm-hmm. as, uh, I guess, free to... Um, improv and ad lib how do you Mm -hmm. find that balance there uh, just based on your background do you find it an easy transition or is it something that you have
2: to work on it's definitely a transition that's a really good question nobody's ever asked me that type of question before that is a really good question because Mm -hmm. it is a challenge depending on what your background is and i think there's a lot of singers that don't know how to wheel it in um and don't know how to do the same thing like and I remember Donald, uh, Donald McLeod, the same one that I mentioned earlier, um, yeah. he said that, you know, if you can go into the studio and do the same thing over and over again, you'll be fine. And musical theater is kind of the same thing, is that the notes are on the page. You have to, depending on the show and the directors, you have to sing exactly what's on the page and you have to sing it night after night. So you rehearse that and you get locked into that. And yeah. it can sometimes be um, a little bit of a, creative battle because you want to just kind of let loose and holler and sing yes. and riff or ad lib or whatever. Yes. But I'm also have always been a storyteller. Mm. And so that is, that is the magical part about theater is that you get to tell the story through this music. And if you find those, for me, it's, it's the pauses, it's the breaths, it's the, it's those moments that you, you, think about differently. So, you know, in gospel and a lot of R&B and soul music, those free moments are the ad-libs, right? Yeah. But in theater, it's kind of the reverse. It's the it's the it's the empty moments. It's the yeah. storytelling moments where you have the freedom.
1: What's your cuz I'm, I'm I'm a little bit of a musical theater nerd as well. Yeah. But, yeah uh, uh-huh. What's your all-time favorite musical?
2: Just I'm just curious as a fan. well a a musical that i that was definitely on the bucket list for a lot of years dream musical is uh, songs for a new world okay jason robert brown um i had the fortunate opportunity of having a friend of mine um directing it and asked me to be the man one singer in it i did it uh two years ago now that Uh is one of my favorite um pieces of music. But then also I love Jesus Christ Superstar and it has uh, eluded me for twenty years. <laughs> wow. wow. You know what
1: I would like to hear you be a part of is uh I don't know if you're familiar with ragtime. I of think, course. Uh, yeah. I think that would be brilliant. I really want to see that one brought back. it just uh it's been a while since a strong black lead has uh been in Toronto. <laughs> I think Hamilton's yeah, gonna yeah. have some good good uh Good. Uh, was Hamilton out already? Yeah, you know, it
2: Toronto? had just yeah had just started shows, um, and then and then this then they got shut down. Oh damn! Yeah, this bloody corona. Yeah. Blood. I know, I know. But yeah, ragtime. I actually have um, I have a song from ragtime. I forget which one now, but it's oh, in the music my. Dream. Yes, but it's in my book, and I keep meaning to learn it to add to my audition repertoire and i haven't yet but yes that's definitely um music in that show that i like to lock in
1: do you prefer like if you had to do one for the rest of your life record as a solo artist write as a Mm -hmm. like just as a writer for other people not so much for yourself Mm -hmm. or musical Mm -hmm. theater which one would you like if i had a gun to your head and you had to stay in one lane which lane <laughs> do
0: you think we stand? It, it could just be a mic or to your mouth.
1: Yeah, just a mic, just a mic, just answer. a mic to your mouth is good. <laughs> less, less <laughs> pilot, <less> pilot. <laughs>
2: wow. Oh god. Sorry. I've been, I've, it's okay. I've been rewatching Scandal, so like I'm not phased. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I've had in so many points in my life and in my career, said, people you have to choose, mm-hmm. um, and, and I refuse, and I think that it's probably to use the same analogies, probably shot me in the foot on more than one occasion because, you know, I'm d- diversifying and trying to do a lot of different things. Um, I don't know that I have a definitive answer to that.
1: Okay.
2: I know, like I said, that, that I live on stage and I do have this dream of touring my own music around the world and doing a, uh, on a grand scale. But like I said, especially at this point in my life and in my career, I want to tell stories. And unfortunately, the reality is in recorded music these days, in cover music, you don't get that opportunity. You know, it's not about that anymore. And and I still desperately want to be able to do that. So if I really, really, if my life was on the line, I might have to pick musical theater. But I ultimately, I don't know. I don't know. Okay,
1: No, that's fair. And I don't think you should. Close yourself into one lane, either just try what you love and keep doing everything because, yeah, one day we're gonna die and you wanna not live with regrets. That's definitely exactly, yeah. I live by as well.
0: So, you've been on stage with artists like Kim Burrell, Mary mm-hmm. Mary, cc mm-hmm. Winans, and mm-hmm. the list goes on. Keisha Shante, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Now if you could choose um, one singer, maybe let's say mm-hmm. two open it up a little bit for you if you could choose two singers to do a
2: duet with uh let's say one Uh, dead one alive who would they be uh, luther vandross number one he's my bible um (laughs) no brainer um and so that would be dead um alive (sighs) okay okay i'm gonna pick mm, okay i'm gonna pick a few i'm gonna pick three three um so uh, Jill Scott, because like I said, she's my spirit animal. Okay. Um, and then um, Tamia, because she's, I don't think she's underrated, but she's not as acclaimed as I believe that she should be. I she do. is a phenomenal vocalist um, and, you know, Canadian proud. I was actually talking to my family last weekend, and she grew up down the street from my siblings in Windsor. Oh, wow. Um, and my sister's best friend is who the one who helped her get into singing competitions and stuff. Wow. Um but yeah, so Tamia, And then um B Slade. Do you guys familiar with the name B Slade?
1: No. Yeah, no. can you explain I will, who he is? I will I will yes.
2: B Slade um used to be Tone. Um, So, yes, um, one of the greatest male voices around right now um, and has been a huge influence of mine from Tone years as a gospel artist, who I also had the opportunity to open for Mm -hmm. in Toronto. Um, Mm -hmm. And then now, as B. Slade, doing more um, pop R&B and producing and writing.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: And it's just B-S-L-A-D-E, right? I think it's B slash, but yeah, if you put, if you put either way, I think you'll find it. Okay. Dope, dope. His out the box album was Grammy nominated. The mm-hmm. first album, which was just called Tone was the one that really put him on the map because it was a really, it was a fresh take. It was the first time that anybody was doing anything in gospel like that, that had a very neo soul yeah. contemporary soul, R and B sound. Um, that's the one that put him on the map. And then he did, the. Uh, then he had a couple other like guest spots and I think another album. Then he had the out the box album, which was with a choir and, and the whole thing. Nice. But, but as Beast Slade, he's been featured with Snoop Dogg. He just produced for Eric Benet. He's touring with Patti LaBelle. Um, oh, wow. he produced something for, um, uh, Tisha Campbell. It's a juggernaut, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Are there
1: uh, are there any any other um, artists that you're fans of that you think our listeners or myself even should definitely give more attention to or check out? Because I've never heard oh of Beastslate, so now I'm curious if there's any other gems
2: you might have for us. Oh my gosh, my whole I. Whenever people ask me about what I listen to, I listen to my friends right. um, and my peers, and so you yeah, I love friends. that question. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so. Um, one of my favorite songs is Tanika Simone. Okay. She toured with um Lady Gaga for years. She has a song that I think I don't know if she just performed it or wrote it her and Melanie Daniels. There was a TV show. Anyway, she's got a stacked resume. Um Jamie Woods. Jamie Woods. Okay. Mhm. Who's that? She's great. Jamie Woods. Um she's a New York singer songwriter. She's in LA now and her whole family's talented. Her brother uh, also is a singer songwriter. Um and her sound is kind of it's like it's like acoustic soul.
1: Okay. Give
2: me one more. Um give one more. Okay, okay, okay. Oh man, the pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Um okay, I'll give I'll give you two. I'll give you two. One of my best friends, um, Jerome Bell, he's like my brother. He he and his husband have a group called One Up. Uh, they were on The Voice together and just kind of broke social media. And they have a couple songs out. Um, and they're called One Up. And then there's a British artist. She's kind of like country folk soul. She's got a little bit like Layla Hathaway in her voice. But she does this folk country music. Okay. Her name is Yola y-o-l-a and i think she's and i think she's phenomenal and of course there's others i listen to layla hathaway and d'angelo and all that other stuff but yeah
1: yeah these i'm definitely going to check out the first four you mentioned that's awesome thank you Mm -hmm. thank you for that
0: yeah so you've been in the game for a long time i know you've had a lot of different influences and people that you've looked up to and probably some mentors along the way Uh, Mm -hmm. now being in the position that you're in having done all this work and had all of this experience, what advice would you give to an aspiring uh, musician or singer
2: I love that question the things that I tell up and coming or aspiring or young performers who ask me that question, I say think entrepreneurially think outside of the box, that's the one thing that has really consistently helped me to work And it might not have always been gainful. It might have been a $20 gig, could have been a $2,000 gig, but being entrepreneurial. So I think about people like Tyler Perry, who had a little bit of money and was living in his car and used that money and booked the theater and wrote this show and had his friends come and sold tickets and spiraled that way. I think about um, Master P, who got a little bit of an inheritance from somebody who passed away put out a record and sold it out of his trunk and just did like a circle and kept expanding his area until that record that he was selling out of his trunk hit the charts. Um, and it connects to what Issa Rae said actually a couple of years ago. She said, not enough people network across. Everybody's trying to network up and grab onto somebody else's coattails. Sure. But you might know a videographer who also knows a producer, who also knows a singer, who also knows a writer. and if Y'all get together and just create something. So, I, I, my number one advice is always think entrepreneurially and outside of the box. And then the other thing is this thing is tough. So, I always say, if it won't let you go, if you can let it go and do something else, I'd say do it. <laughs> do it. Be a hobbyist. Seriously, yeah. be a hobbyist. Do it. Because like it is not easy. But if it won't let you go, then you go full throttle.
0: Wow. Um, on the flip side of that, what's the best advice that you've been given? I know you mentioned some, some gems uh, throughout this conversation. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the best advice that I've been given? Uh, okay, so the one that I mentioned, bring some of that sparkle, that live energy to the rehearsal process or into the room. Um, and then the other thing, a, a good friend of mine, um, Jesse Smith, he said to me, trust the work that you've put in. And that still resonates with me. Those are two things that I continue to like try to remind myself. Trust the work that you've put in. Um, Whether it be the work that you've been doing for years, you went to school and you studied it or whether you've just like rehearsed a particular show um, or whatever it is, just trust the work that you've put in and that you are prepared and take a minute, breathe and trust it. Because a lot of times you like are just about to step on stage or you're just about to go in the studio or whatever the scenario is and you kind of blank out or you start to stress out or you start to freak out or question. Um, but you have take a moment and trust the work and just believe that it will come out. But then also that means that you have to put the work in. <laughs> yeah, very, <definitely>.
1: true. <laughs> very, very, very true. Um, what would you say you're most proud of? Like what accomplishment are you most proud of currently?
2: there are a handful there's a lot that i've done in my career that unfortunately is not like (laughs) googleable it's not on on wikipedia it's not on anybody's website necessarily but i had the opportunity to work on a a a workshop a workshop or a reading is typically something you do for a brand new um musical theater show or a play um so you do it to literally hear stuff out loud hear lines and music out loud so you can just test it out and see what's happening and you can do edits and workshop it with the other actors and singers. Um, a reading is when you present that to sometimes it's just to your friends and peers or sometimes it's to uh, bookers and hire uh, you know theaters and people to potentially pick up the show and I had an opportunity to work on uh, a show like that called The Funk and Teen Rapture. My friend Lee Summers that I mentioned before who's a writer and director wrote this piece um, and had originally done it, I'm, I'm going to do a little name dropping, had originally right. done it, um, back in the day with, um, a Broadway performer named Marty Thomas and mm-hmm. everybody knows his name now, Billy Porter, mm-hmm. um, and, and some other Broadway alum and wanted to revitalize it and revamp it. Uh, and so I had an opportunity to work on that as a vocal director and the lead for that was um, Lilius White. And Lilius White's not a household name, but she's a Broadway legend. She's been in everything on Broadway. Uh, she's a Tony Award winner. Um, she got the Tony Award for a musical called The Life. She was in Once on This Island. She was in How to Succeed in Business. She was in Fela. She was in Dreamgirls. Oh. Um, a lot of younger audiences wouldn't know her. Um, the animated movie Hercules, she's one of the the black muses, the, sing, the singing. Um, oh. Um, so I had the opportunity to be vocal director on that project and Jenny Harney, who is what we call a legacy kids. Her father was, is Ben Harney, who won the Tony for Dreamgirls. dream girls. She's now in Hamilton. Um, my friend Jerome, who I mentioned, who was on American Idol and the voice, he was in it. Um, and a, a number of other really accomplished, uh, actors and performers. So getting to work on that was really, really great. Um, and a highlight for me, certainly. And then even just now, this project that I've had the opportunity to work on and sit across from Stephen Page from The Great Ladies, a voice that we all grew up with. Um, yeah, Just a really incredible, iconic experience.
1: Yeah, that does sound amazing.
2: Um, what's been your favorite place to
0: perform, whether it's a stage or a city? or Maybe not a city, because it's obviously going to be Toronto, but outside of... The city of Toronto. <laughs> What's been your favorite stage
2: to perform on? There are some, there's, there's a couple really warm rooms, places that are always welcoming and embracing. Um, a couple of those are New York. New York is, is, is kind of my heartbeat. That's where my village and my community lives, a, a large part of it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. There's a pl- spot called Billy's Black. It's now been renovated in, and it's called B2. But Billy's Black in Harlem used to house live music and it was just this place that felt like home um, and it was always just a warm space to perform and it's a small little spot in Harlem but I just loved it. Um, another place that I... What, what else? have I, You know, I did Soul in the City at Casa Loma in Toronto and that was a really great kind of oh, nice, fun, yeah. warm, welcoming space. It's always nice to go to a space when they're just hungry for whatever you give them, you know? Yeah, right uh,
0: No, we've talked a lot about music, we've talked about a lot of your your accolades and some of the great things you've accomplished in music. Wondering though, what inspires you outside of music?
2: I'm a little bit of a nerd in that when people ask me what do I do outside of it, what's my downtime? Like, I will lit I'm that person who will go and sit in a bar and hear some live music. Like that is literally what I'll do. But, um, at, but at the same time, what inspires me is my family. Um, what inspires me is life. I'm admittedly a little bit, a little, a little bit emo. So I remember um, Kelly Price's last album. I came back from a ship and my friend was like, Oh, what are you listening to now? And I, and I played that Kelly Price album, which is, it's a great album for anybody who's looking for some music. Um, but it's a lot of, like, kind of, I'm, I'm getting through this songs and kind of heartbreak songs, but I, I, I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> so love okay. lo- love and life experience, lived experiences is, is a big inspiration for me.
1: Nice. Does any of your family currently have any, like, like songs or music? Or does any of them... Do music other than you, or they just have great voices and do other things?
2: Um, So, my nephew, Elric, Virtuoso, yeah, 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 yeah. he's got a bunch of music out. Um, My niece, Jasmine, did something really sneaky, and I only found out about it uh, recently, but many years ago, her and her husband um, put out something, I think, on Bandcamp or something. Jasmine Rose um, and Sam Hornby. Um, it's a couple like jazz covers, but outside of that, no, nobody's got any music out. I'm, I actually, though I'm the second youngest, I'm the first one to pursue the arts as a profession. Um, so it's been kind of a, you know, trial by fire situation. And then my younger brother pursued animation illustration. And now everybody else is kind of, I think it opened up the spiritual floodgates, if you will. And the next generation is really moving. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: So I know earlier you had talked to and gave the advice to artists to be a lot more entrepreneurial um, mm-hmm. so what type of entrepreneurial endeavors do you find yourself maybe in the next five years going after mm-hmm. or where mm-hmm. do you see yourself in the next ten years I guess
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, still and always performing you know until the wheels fall off is my expression but um, I have a lot of A lot of things that I'd like to do. I'd like to do more teaching and mentoring, facilitating, um, whether it be through different arts organizations, which I have done, or through something that I create, an institute, which uh, which is what I I do like to do. Um, I also, to your point about your challenge, it is something in my head in terms of figuring out a way to pool all of my family's talents um, um, so yes, the Ball Family Jubilee Singers, uh, 2.0. <laughs> 2. <point 0. laughs> <0. laughs> <laughs> they're truly gifted in the, arti- in the artistic sense, but also they're great thinkers. Um, there's a lot of teachers in my family. Um, and so f- I'm, I, I'm always consciously thinking about ways that I can pool those talents and, and create some kind of business model for it. Because I, I think a lot about legacy, right? And I think about what's, What's the difference between the Rockefellers and the Eatons and the even contemporary, the Kardashians and all of these people Mm -hmm. who have been able to kind of be resourceful and and come together as families and pool resources and and grow something? Yeah,
1: very, very true. That's great. I look forward to the ball legacy blowing up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I guess we'll uh, wrap it up. Uh, I I really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to me and Anthony. But uh, in closing, could you want to just uh, tell people where they can follow your journey? Maybe shout out your socials.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me. This has been really fun. Truly. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, But my social media is at Robert Ball music, Robert B A L L music. And that's everything. That's my website. That's my Instagram. That's my Twitter. Um, And if you look up Robert Ball, in itunes amazon spotify wherever you stream you will find my music there's another guy but you'll know right away that it's not me um (laughs) (laughs) thank (laughs) you
0: so much robert it's been a true pleasure we really thank you for joining us and for all the wise words and
1: stories you've shared with us today thank you thank you for listening to today's episode and thank you to our sponsors the MPL toronto and the dna project please don't forget to follow us on social media and if you'd like to donate to this podcast or further support the DNA Initiative, please visit our website at thednaproject.ca for more information. Till next time, stay safe and choose to live a life that matters. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in with unlimited podcasts advanced analytics and personalized support captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust captivate for their hosting needs visit dnaairwaves.com slash captivate today to start your free trial